We are all mentally ill, said the smiling monk in the wide-brimmed hat, as if this explained everything. My partner and I were staying a couple of nights as guests at Amaravati Buddhist Monastery near Hemel Hempstead in the Chiltern Hills of southern England. I was a science journalist with a Guardian newspaper and had travelled up by train from London the previous day to interview the abbot, a kindly Englishman in his fifties named Ajahn Amaro who has been trained in the strict Thai forest tradition of Buddhism. The three of us stood in bright morning sunshine on a path that led between neat flower beds from the painted wooden huts of the monastery's retreat centre to a field of rough grass, where men and women were pacing very slowly and deliberately, each absorbed in a private world of his or her own. Some were walking back and forth between trees, following tracks worn in the grass by thousands of tramping feet. Others were relentlessly circling a bell-shaped granite stupa at the centre of the field. A two-week retreat for about thirty laypersons had begun the previous evening, and this morning the abbot, the monk in the sun hat, had sent them out into the grounds to practice walking meditation. His observation about our collective neurosis took me by surprise, following as it did from my own observation that the otherworldly activity in the field reminded me of a scene from a zombie movie I once saw. On reflection, it wasn't the most enlightened comment to direct to a revered Buddhist teacher or Ajahn during a meditation retreat. But I was tired and grouchy after being awakened at 4.30 in the morning by the monastery's great brass bell being struck somewhere outside in the darkness, summoning us from our dormitory to the meditation hall for an hour of chanting and contemplation. I only later discovered that in Buddhist philosophy, a human being is not considered completely sane until he or she has become fully enlightened. Buddhists believe the mechanism of the human mind is faulty, like a clock running too fast or too slow. No matter how rational or mentally fit we believe ourselves to be, much of our lives is spent obsessing about our social and professional standing, about getting sick and growing old, yearning for more of this and less of that, chewing over our faults and those of other people. Buddhists believe that our minds create dukkha, the suffering or sense of unsatisfactoriness that is part and parcel of ordinary human existence, the incessant itch of wanting more pleasure and more possessions, trying to hold on to some experiences while frantically trying to push others away. To observe that everybody is mentally ill was the monk's way of summing up this shared psychological predicament. Earlier that day, in the thin grey light before dawn, sitting cross-legged on the floor with the monks and nuns before the gilded Buddha in the monastery's meditation hall, we had chanted, Birth is dukkha, aging is dukkha, death is dukkha, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair are dukkha. Association with the disliked is dukkha. Separation from the liked is dukkha. Not attaining one's wishes is dukkha. This was a far cry from the brisk, cheerful hymns we used to sing at morning assembly in the chapel of the Methodist boarding school I attended as a child. Instead of affirming the triumph of celestial beings over evil, 
Here was a stark reminder that all human existence is mired in suffering. The message seemed to be that no one gets to live happily ever after. Everything was not going to be okay. Regardless of the joys, loves and achievements scattered along life's path, around every corner awaited loss, disappointment, sickness, aging and death. There would be no escaping these things, no matter how hard we worked, how much we earned, how healthily we ate, how often we went to the gym. It was an ancient formulation of the modern refrain, life is a bitch and then you die. You may find this sort of reflection needlessly maudlin, or you may see it as a bracing admission of the truth. Speaking for myself, I found the sentiment liberating. By saying the words out loud, we were acknowledging the lies we continually tell ourselves to get through the day. The down-to-earth honesty of the chant moved me.